0: Well, this week I got to listen to, uh, you know, the new president take the oath of office Uh, on another report. I switched over and there was folks who were taking their um, first vows that they make them take when they become American citizens. So I got to hear a lot of people making profound new steps in our nation. And as we did a couple of years ago, um, Chris thought this would be a good day for us to pray for our folks, pray for our leaders, pray for these people who are just people, but uh, you know, they're called to extraordinary levels of responsibility, and we should, um, we should lift them up in prayer. They will surely need it. So uh, why don't we stand together and let us pray. Lord, we pray this morning for our school boards and superintendents who care for our children. Keep their vision alive. Lord, we pray for mayors and city councils of communities in which we live. Keep their hearts focused on service. Lord, we pray for our state representatives, Mike, Dan, Donna, Rebecca, and Emmanuel, Sam, and Vicky, who represent us in Washington. We pray for our state and U.S. Senators, Roy and Claire. May you give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we pray for our governor, Eric, strengthen him when he is discouraged, humble him when he is proud, and for our president, Donald. For them all, we pray, Lord, first confessing that we have rarely prayed for them, though they face confusion, turmoil, and dangers that age them before our very eyes, At times we've been very critical of them, though most of us understand very little of what goes on in their profession, just as few understand what really transpires in any of our professions. Strengthen these leaders for their calling. We pray this morning for all these men and women that you will teach them and teach us all that this is your world given to us as a gift. And these leaders and each of us as bearers of your image must try to rule your world as you would rule it for your purpose and in light of your goodness. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our prayer. Amen. Well, we have started something of a tradition now, I think, without meaning to, but uh, we pass out these difficult question cards about once a year, and you all write some astoundingly difficult questions that keep me very busy, and uh, we develop, you know, they're questions you'd like to hear a sermon about, and so we develop that into a sermon series. That's what we started last week. We'll continue it for a couple more weeks. So we have some great questions for this morning. One of you just wrote a scripture reference, John chapter 14, verse 6. And then you wrote, who goes to heaven? All right. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Another of you wrote, by thinking Christianity is the only way to God, Aren't we limiting God? What if he has many ways to him? A third questioner asked, What happens to good people who aren't Christian? So we're going to address these questions this morning. But before we can do this, we have to come to a a correct understanding of who God is and who we are and what's really going on in the universe. If we don't understand who God is, and we don't understand who we are, and we don't understand what's going on in the universe, then we cannot answer these questions. So let's start at the top. Who is God? In the Christian worldview, God is the creator of everything. In these scriptures passed down to us, we are told, God is love. Now, for reasons we can only guess, God created a universe. And on at least one planet, he placed plants and animals and human beings to know and to love. Now, the story of our history seems to be that we have often misunderstood who this God is. And so God came to us as Jesus and through Jesus, the power and more importantly, the love of God is revealed. That He is a God who in fact loves us so much He's even willing to die to demonstrate it. And He raised Jesus from the dead to complete the story of what He wants for all people everywhere eternal life. That's who God is. So who are we? Who are you and I then? We therefore are God's creation, in a way, God's children. And God loves us like children, if you believe the Bible. But in order for this love to be a two-way street, real love, he, he gives us the choice to love him back or not. And apparently, from the very beginning, we are very easily confused about God and his love. We are suspicious of God. We are afraid of God. We may just be ignorant of God. And so we wander away from God and we do the very things he warned us not to do. We have Jesus to look at to see who God is. And all but the most hard-bitten people can usually at least say, Jesus is just all right with me. (laughs) But that picture doesn't seem to be enough for everyone to love God back and to follow his ways. And that's who we are. Okay. So what is really going on in the universe between this God and us? Let me start by telling you what's not going on. Let me start by telling you what's not going on in the universe. This life you and I are living, this is not an arena that you're performing in like the Hunger Games. If you're too old for that, the running man. Or if you're too old for that, Logan's Run. Or if you're too old for that, Ben-Hur. Or if you're too old for that, I'm I'm really impressed that you're able to make it here today. (laughs) Because I was talking about Ben-Hur, the silent film. Um, Okay, it's not like that. This is not a treacherous obstacle course that God has dropped us into to see if you're qualified for heaven. It's not. If that's been your view of what's going on, Be free of that. It is much, much better than that. This life that you're living, it's a life. It's a life that matters. This is the world God intended to make. It is filled with beautiful places. You have seen some of them. It is filled with wondrous things. You have wondered at some of them. And there is enough for everybody. And God wants you to have life. He wants to give us He wanted to give us eternal life, and he he still wants to give us eternal life. But we won't be able to have it unless we'll live in his world his way. It's the only way it will work. We are here to live in God's world, but we have to do it on God's terms, or it just won't work. You see, all this stuff that God calls sin... Whatever you thought sin was, sin are not little tests he designed to test your willpower. What God calls sin is anything that destroys life or destroys this creation. Sin are all the things that if you had eternal life and you did it, would slowly turn the earth around you into hell. Now, you may look around and say, well, earth already looks quite a bit like hell. And in many corners, you are right. But now imagine if Hitler were immortal. Imagine if ISIS were immortal. Your greedy, vengeful neighbor or your wicked boss or whoever it is. Imagine if they could never get old, never grow weak and never die. What would be done with the earth? So God sends Jesus to show us another way. And if we will turn toward him, the hellish parts of this earth begin to turn back into something more heavenly. I hope you have gotten to see this in your own life. Now that's what our church is supposed to be. In fact, that is what every church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a spot on a street corner on earth where people can peek in for a glimpse of God's kingdom. And say, oh, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like these people living this way. All right, that's worth changing for. I'll join that. We're supposed to be the embassy for the kingdom of heaven. Now, who knows how long creation's going to go like this with embassies and and then the rest? Jesus said even he didn't know when. But at some point, God would say, and now enough chances have been given. And now enough time has passed. Let us now separate those who are ready for this kingdom from those who just don't, don't want it. And heaven is then eternal life on a renewed and eternal earth just like he wanted from Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And so hell then is a dimension of what there is for those who were never quite convinced that God's way was better they don't want love they don't want equality they don't want to be ruled by anyone no matter how good he may claim to be now they probably want some love and they probably want some equality and they undoubtedly would like some authority but not enough to be in God's world on God's terms God could make these people think differently in a mind-controlling sort of way, but that isn't love. And they wouldn't really be members of the family if he did that. Talk about the Hunger Games. It would be like the AVOX, always standing over there off to the side by the power of God constantly suppress. A king can make a girl marry him, but unless she chooses to marry him and and had a choice not to marry him, she isn't really his wife. And God wants a bride, it says in the scripture. God wants children who are really loving children. And so, some of these children, by their own choice, will not be coming home. And you see them every day on the news, and the truth told deep down, You don't want to live with them for eternity. And let's be honest, they definitely do not want to live with you for eternity. And they surely don't want to be turned into Christians against their will when they die. And that's not going to happen. And so all of the terrorists and all of the rapists and all of the greedy, greedy guys, they all end up together and we say, that's terrible. And it is terrible. But I wonder if those there won't be saying, oh yeah, this is horrible, this outer darkness filled with weeping and gnashing of teeth. But at least there's no do-gooder cops here. At least there's no one peeking through their blinds, calling the neighborhood watch here. At least there's no sanctimonious preachers here. At least there's no whining, sniveling kids to take care of here. I can finally do whatever I want to whoever I want. And the snarling riot of hell begins. Meanwhile, in another dimension, heaven begins. Heaven begins and for eternity all races are equal. For eternity all races are equal. Everyone is content with what the earth gives. Not just content, but grateful. When mistakes get made, there's forgiveness instead of revenge. And we're patient when we can't have what we want immediately because we have time. And we don't envy what others have. You know, Hawaii is going to fill up very quickly in the new kingdom. But there'll never be a plan to go take it away for ourselves. You won't need a street light in the kingdom of God because you're not in danger after dark. You won't need a gun, you won't need car keys. You won't need to lock your door. You won't need a secret ballot vote because who would persecute you for your vote? Revelation says the gates of the city will be open day and night, no fear of attack on all the earth. When we disagree, we'll ask a appointed third party how it should go and we'll accept their answer and we'll live by it. And whatever the Lord says to do on any given day, that's what we'll do. No more arguing. No more hesitating, no more hunting for loopholes. And you'll have time. You can go see Angel Falls. You can see the pyramids of Egypt. And you know you want to run up to the top and back. And you get to. And you get to see the holy city of Jerusalem. You always wanted to see that. And those parts of the world will be perfectly safe. You can finally learn to play the piano. Or run a marathon. Or dive in a mini sub and look at the Titanic. You can catch up on reading. You can take a nap. Or explore the solar system. Why not? With eternal life, maybe we can finally go meet the neighbors. Engage. This is the kingdom of Christ. That's what's going on in the universe. That's who we are. That's who God is. Now with that understanding, I think we can address your questions in about 18 minutes. So one of you wrote, by thinking Christianity is the only way to God, aren't we limiting God? What if he has many ways to him? We're only limiting God if God himself intends to have multiple paths. If God himself intended to wear the face of one being for one culture and then wear the face of a different being for a different culture and then wear the millions of faces for a couple of cultures, then yes, we'd be limiting God to say that, well, the face of Jesus is the one. But if God himself is saying that, then we're not limiting God if we listen to him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him in Jesus. Now, that question will lead you immediately to another question like uh, Do you believe Jesus said this? And if Jesus did say this, do you believe him? Sometimes I feel like that when Jesus says he is the only way that, that we think he's being mean. But what if he's not being mean? What if he's just being perfectly honest and abundantly clear? What if it means to encourage us and say, you know, you don't need a map to get to God. There's no secret directions. There's no secret handshake. Just Follow the one who just came from there. Jesus basically says, stick with me and you will get there. If you're reading about me, you're reading about God. If you're obeying me, you're obeying God. God has an address on earth and it is Jesus. In the 1500s, Martin Luther said, forget about speculating about God. Hold on to the man, Jesus. He's the only God we've got. In the 400s, Augustine said, walk by the man and you will arrive at God. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright uh, wrote about this idea that, you know, all religions are the same and they all basically lead to God. Here's what he wrote. The trouble with this is that it doesn't work. If you dethrone Jesus, you enthrone something or someone else instead. The belief that all religions are really the same sounds nice and democratic, though the study of religions quickly shows that it isn't true. What you're really saying, if you claim they're all the same, is that none of them are more than distant echoes, distorted images of reality. You're saying that reality, God the divine, is remote and unknowable, and that neither Jesus, nor Buddha, nor Moses, nor Krishna gives us direct access to it. They all provide a a way toward the foothills of the mountain, but not the way to the summit. Do we think of Jesus as a distorted image? A way kind of toward the foothills? Do we think of God as a type of God who made no way to the summit? I think what really embarrasses us about Jesus' words is not that he said them, but the attitude with which the church so often repeats them. Let's be really honest here. Uh, Some churches seem almost gleeful, almost giddy, almost happy to announce that other religions don't provide a reliable path to God. They'll never get here no matter how hard they try. (laughs) Tee-hee-hee. It comes across as snotty and elitist. And cruel. But the thing to tear down is not Jesus' words. The thing to tear down is the unkind, elitist, self-important church. And when we tear down graceless religion, we're also walking with Jesus because Jesus already tore that down a long time ago. In fact, right before this passage, when he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet, do you remember what he said He said, I am the master, and none of you is greater than me. And yet I wash feet. So if you're my follower, you'll go out there, and you'll wash feet. If that wasn't clear enough, he said, they will know you are my followers if you love one another. If that wasn't clear, he said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I go to prepare one for you. None of this should be sending us out into the world self-important and self-righteous. Jesus is the only way, but he is a wonderful way. When you have a wonderful way that leads the truth, you would never tell someone you actually care about that a false path is just as good. You would never tell someone, oh, there are many roads to financial peace. Payday loans with 400% interest works just as well as saving and working hard. That's another road to financial peace. You would never say that. You would never tell an out-of-shape person, oh, exercise and what you eat aren't the only way. Uh, You can also eat ice cream with every meal. There are many paths to fitness. You would never tell someone struggling with marriage, well, I did marriage counseling, but you could try verbal abuse. I'm sure there are many paths to peaceful marriage. God sent Jesus to rescue us from all futile ways of thinking and to take away our sin. Muhammad is not the one he sent for us. Buddha is not the one he sent for us. Tom Cruise and L. Ron Hubbard are not the ones he sent for us. Now, I don't know for a scientific provable fact that these folks were not sent by God, but I really, really Really don't think they were, both because of these scriptures and the effect they have had on the world. Let me tell you a story about my son. My son was about four years old, he had a big growth spurt. And in my family, when you start growing at night, your legs lock up and your feet point for and your toes go out in every direction some sort of electrolyte imbalance, and it's Mm -hmm. very painful. So I woke up one night. I heard my son screaming, my feet are killing me. So I run in there and I pull back the blankets and I see the, the toes all gnarled out. And I'm like, oh, I remember this. I said, son, um, this means you're growing up to be a strong young man, but that hurts. So let me go get you some medicine. So he was four years old. So I went to get him the kid dropper pain reliever. And I go in the room and I reach down and he goes, no, dad, no, my feet hurt. My feet hurt. I'm like, okay, son. Okay. I said, this is the medicine. This is the medicine that will make you feel better. Okay, okay, okay. Let's take the medicine. Great. I reach down. He pushes my hand. away. like, no, dad, no. My feet hurt. And I'm like, son, are your feet killing you? Yes. Do you want to get better? Yes. Do you believe this medicine will heal you? Yes. I said, okay, then take the medicine. He said, okay. I reached down with the dropper. He kicks at me. I said, what is wrong with you? He said, put it on my feet. I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being elitist. I wasn't limiting the power of the medicine. You just can't take the medicine any way you want. It works this way. I can't just put it in the palm of your hand or on the tops of your feet. No one comes to the Father except through the Son who paid for sin with the palms of His hands and the tops of His feet. That's not mean, and that's not exclusive. That's just reality. There isn't anyone else coming for us if you let Jesus go by. Jesus is the rescuer who actually came. Jesus is the only way, but he is a wonderful way. Other religions rely on rituals and behavior, but in Christianity, God comes. Other religions, you must do things. In Christianity, it's what God has done. In other religions, eternal life is earned. In Christianity, it's a gift. So one of you asked, what happens to good people? Who aren't Christian. All right. Let's go into some dangerous territory, but then stay with me because we'll come home again, I promise. But okay, yes. If the only thing wrong with a person is that a missionary didn't show up in their neck of the woods of China or Israel to let them know about Jesus before they died, if that's all that's wrong with them is, is, is that little event never happened. You know God is going to be fair and just about that. You did not need to ask me the question. In fact, I bet you just asked to see what I say that you already have your own opinion. So Jesus had this moment when he told this story to describe like how God will do this moment when he separates those who are ready from the kingdom from those who don't really want it. And he said, you know, they'll do things like they'll feed God when God is hungry and, and they will have uh, clothed him when he was naked and gave him water when he was thirsty and visited him when he was in prison or sick. And the people say uh, in Matthew chapter 25, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. If they live as Jesus lived, even without having heard the name of Jesus, then they are ready for the kingdom of heaven. As we said at the top of this message, this is not a game show. This life is not a game show where you are offered religion number one, religion number two, or religion number three. And only after you make your choice does the curtain go up and show you what you've won. Oh, nothing, turns out. It was this one. It's not, that's not what we're playing. In fact, Romans chapter two, Says uh, this. Even Gentiles, right, non Jewish pagan people, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. People who are truly good won't need a second chance to accept Jesus because they already accepted him the first time, whether they knew his name or not. God gave them some light about how to live, and they responded to it, and they lived that way, and so they are ready for the kingdom of heaven. If someone is feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, visiting the imprisoned, Jesus says you're doing these things for him whether you know it or not. Such people are ready for the kingdom. They will enter it. And when they find out that it is Jesus who has made a way for them to be there, they'll be happier than they were before because in their hearts they obviously already thought God was like Jesus all along. Now, if you feel like this is violating Christian theology of salvation by grace alone, hang on as we read Romans chapter 3, which says, as the scriptures say, well, let me preface this by saying, um, that there are far fewer of these good people than we may think. Romans chapter 3 says, uh, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not even one. Now, this matters what you think about sin. If you don't think sin matters very much then, of course, you can imagine all sorts of ways for all sorts of people into all sorts of afterlife. But if you think sin matters, if you think that you and I have done something which requires forgiveness, which would not be fit to go on for eternity, then Jesus is a wonderful way because he offers the forgiveness we need. Now, I could speculate about a lot of other good people, in the world, but I don't really know them. The only life I really know well enough to speak about it with much authority is my own. And I know that if I died tomorrow, a lot of you would sit here in this very room and say, uh, What a saint of God! What a good man! He's in heaven now watching Star Wars with Jesus. But if you waited a few years after that and you asked my wife and kids, was he really as good as he seemed in all those sermons? If they were being honest, they would have to say, not really. He could be good, but he had a lot of dark moments. He damaged us. And if you ask my family I grew up with, my father, my brother, they would tell you the only good he ever did came from his relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you put all that stuff on a scale, it still doesn't weigh out equal to the wickedness that we saw. No, he'll be be needing the forgiveness of God when he arrives. Now, I've said this before up here, and I'm just going to tell you, don't Don't come up to me after this sermon and say, oh, you're so hard on yourself. I'm sure your family thinks you're great. We think you're great. You're great. Because all I'm going to say back is, well, I guess I fooled you. But take heart because I have come to believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven me for fooling you. I'm trying to tell you that I have secrets. Every day, thoughts go in and out of this mind. Just this morning. Words come out of this mouth. Deeds are done in secret, which embarrass me so much. I don't even record them in my private journal. I'm trying to hide my sins from myself, but I cannot hide them from God. If those things are not covered by the forgiveness of Christ, I am doomed. However, I have come to believe that those things are covered by the forgiveness of Christ demonstrated on the cross. And so that is giving me strength and hope to try again, to say things like, I am fully ready for God to remove every defect of character as he sees fit, that I may dwell with him forever. I am not lost yet. Wrongly or rightly, I have to believe most people in the world are more like the real me than the good me that everyone will be discussing at my funeral. And that's why it is worth our time to share the good news of Jesus. It gives everyone in the world a chance to be free of their secret sinful self and become more like the man or the woman that God made them to be. If they don't need this offer from Jesus, then I suppose God knows that. And God judges that, and I know that it's not my business. Jesus told me repeatedly in the Scriptures not to judge the eternal destiny of other people. He also tells us repeatedly to tell the whole world about him because the hope he brings is a powerful tool in saving us from our secret sinful self. So here at Lakeland, that's what we do. We share the good news with this community, any friend or loved one we can invite who will come, anywhere in the world we can get to, because it has made such a difference for us, we believe it will make a difference for others. Judging and deciding what happens to the people who haven't heard that message, or the people who heard it and refused it, we leave that to God. He knows better what to do with that than we ever will. And also, God will keep trying with that person long after we've gotten kind of fed up with them and thrown up our hands in exasperation. God will keep trying. So they belong to him. But we do our best to make everyone get a chance to hear how amazing God really is. Jesus is the only way, but he is a wonderful way. So I thank every person who wrote these questions. I thank you. They have led us to do something we needed to do here at the top of a new ministry year. We needed to be reminded of of our core truths and the foundations of our faith. And we've done that today. that, That God made the universe and he loves every creature in it. And he gave us the choice to love him in return forever. And when we get confused about what kind of God he is, he sends us Jesus to show us both how to be human and to show us how far God is willing to go to show his love and his forgiveness for us. He is always fair. He is always just. And we can trust him. And when we trust him, he changes us into the person we were meant to be. Maybe right now you feel the call to become the person you were meant to be. And he calls us to be the church and to share this good news with the world. And that's what we'll do. It's 2017 and here we go. Let us stand together then. I thought for our benediction we would recite the Apostles' Creed. More than a thousand and a half years ago, church was fighting and arguing like churches do. And they decided to formulate a statement that said, well, what makes us Christian?" What are the things we all agree on? We're going to have tons of differences. Some of us from Rome, some of us from Jerusalem, some of us from Africa. We're going to have differences. But what makes us united? Let us focus on that. So this, the Apostles' Creed, when we say it this morning, we are saying it with every other Christian church in town, in the country, around the world, and through all time. That should give us a strong foundation to stand on together. Let us uh, continue the new year this way. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On this foundation, let us go in peace.